Welcome to the Hockey Fix Podcast. My name is Connor David. Thanks for tuning in today. Uh, first and foremost, I want to take a minute to, uh, to send thoughts and prayers out to, to all those affected by the, uh, the senseless shootings that happened there in Las Vegas. Uh, we never know uh, when our time is up, and, and sometimes the, these senseless things happen. Uh, and there's, there's not a whole lot to say uh, when those do, but um, just wanted to, to let everybody know that our thoughts and prayers are with them. Um, thanks for tuning in today. Um, as you probably know, we didn't have a, a podcast last week, and I'll kind of briefly tell you about why. With all of the, uh, the political ideals that were injected into our sports over the past few weeks, uh, I decided instead of adding, um, adding to the, the politics and sports that I would just not do a podcast last week because I, I felt that if I, had, if I did one that I would need to at least talk about it some and uh, because it just it needed to be done because of what happened. So I decided not to do it because I didn't want to get politics injected into into my podcast. So I decided to to just skip last week. So I apologize for any of those who were, were looking uh, forward to the podcast last week. Um, so like I said, just decided not to do it last week. The only thing that I'll say, whichever side you 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 reside on, uh, I'm not judging either side, but whatever side you you reside on, please take a few minutes and listen to the person on the other side. So if you're upset with them kneeling for the national anthem, listen to why that they're kneeling. And if you're upset with people being upset about the kneeling and be are being upset about the, the protests or being upset about this, listen to the other side. So if you're kneeling, listen to the other side, why they're upset. Take into consideration why they're upset. It's only in these times where we, we sit and we talk and we listen that we learn about what other people think, what other people feel. And the only time dialogue will ever take place is if we take the time to listen to what other people feel like. And we have to listen to those with opposite views of ours. If we only listen to those who have the same viewpoints as we do, we won't learn anything. So please, just listen to what people have to say. Listen to what their concerns are. Listen to what they care about. That's all I'm going to say about it. I'm not going to tell you one way or the other what to think or what I think. Just listen. That's all I got. All right. So going on, let's get into some sports here and get it rolling. Um, let's go around the world of sports here. Uh, let's see. Playoffs in baseball, man. We are already at that time of the year. Uh, playoffs are starting in baseball. So for the wild cards, we've got the uh, the Twins versus the Yankees. Now, the wild card in baseball is a little different than anything else. you got that one game wild card plan so the the twins versus the yankees for the al wild card for the national league the rockies versus the diamondbacks and then uh so for our alds you have the red sox versus the astros then either the twins or the yankees uh, versus the indians the number one seed Uh, for the nlds you have the cubs and the nationals and the rockies or diamondbacks versus the dodgers so we're getting set up here for the for a good run of october baseball I typically, I'll be upfront and honest. I don't watch a whole lot of baseball during uh, during the regular season. I do love me some playoff baseball. There's nothing better uh, when you get into October, a little Christmas in the air, hearing that that ball come off the bat. Uh, when I was a kid, man, baseball was my sport. I played it, I lived it, I breathed it. Uh, and to to see it now, it's 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 a lot different than it was back then. But it's a it's a good game. I definitely love uh, love being able to be at least a little bit part of it here and there. Um, you know, they did away with our local team and brought in a new team, and I think that kind of crushed the way I watched baseball too. So uh, it's just one of those things. But uh, 
ending the season, we had uh, Aaron Judge. He had uh, over 50 home runs, and then uh, I think it was 52. And then um, John Carlos Stanton did not break that 60 mark that he was trying to break. Uh, I want to say they put him at as the leadoff batter, and he was just hitting the crap out of the ball um, that last game. He just could not get a home run to save his life. I was really rooting for him to get uh, over 60. But at the end of the day, uh, all that matters is you know, he did a great job for his team. Really had people talking about his, um, the Miami team there. Uh, there wasn't a whole lot else to talk about, so he was the talk of the town there. All right, so uh, we got a lot of lot going on in baseball. Moving on to college football, um, one of the biggest games of the weekend: Clemson beating out Virginia Tech 31-17. Uh, we had the upset for Washington State over USC 30-27. Uh, a lot of people thought USC might run the table there uh, in the um, in the uh, the Pac-12. Doesn't look like. Uh, with this loss, Washington State, I, I think, is a good team. They're they're put together very well. But with uh, the run that USC had at the end of last year, there was a lot of thoughts saying that they were just going to dominate the entire Pac-12. Uh, it doesn't look like that's going to happen now. So we'll see how they do the rest of the season. And it could come out that, uh, that they'll play in the Pac-12 championship. So we'll just have to kind of wait and see. Uh, Penn State. Uh, again, with a, a big win over Indiana, 45-14. But the talk of, of college football right now is uh, their star running back in Saquon Barkley. This kid is unbelievable. If you haven't seen him play, make sure you tune into a Penn State football game. Uh, I know that they're – I'm sure that they're playing Michigan and Ohio State both this year since they're all in the same conference. Uh, so I would pick one of those games to make sure you watch and see this kid run. He is incredible. Um, he's, I think right now, the last I checked, he was in the uh, at the top of the runnings for the um, uh, for the Heisman Trophy this year, which of course is you know kind of rare for a a running back to be up that high. Uh, then we have Tennessee, the Volunteers, losing forty-one to nothing to Georgia. Um, if Butch Jones wasn't on the hot seat from uh, from earlier losing to Florida, he certainly is now. Uh, I think he was on the hot seat from the beginning of the year. To be quite honest with you. This does not help at all. I mean, losing to Georgia, who is a good football team, very well put together, a great defense, and they run the ball down your throat. And this uh, this new kid who took over for Jacob Eason, I think his name is Fromm, uh, he's been tearing it up as well. So um, you got two great quarterbacks there, and and hopefully they'll uh, they'll figure out what they're going to do once uh, Eason comes back as well. But um, yeah, Butch Jones definitely uh, on the hot seat, probably be gone after this year, especially after his little blow-up there with the uh, the press afterwards. Um, then one of the biggest upsets of the year so far, um, Troy shocks LSU on their homecoming. LSU at homecoming, Troy shocks them 24-21, beats them up, and says, thank you for the million bucks. We'll go on about our business. <laughs> All right, on to the NFL. Um, the Bills beat the undefeated Falcons 23-17. Tyrod Taylor is looking really, really good this year. Uh, being a Virginia Tech fan, I've uh, I've been aware of Tyrod for for since he came out, and uh, he's definitely uh, looking really good. He's doing some good things with his legs, but he's also throwing the ball really, really well, which was one of those things where in college I didn't think that he had that great of a ball. Now he could throw it hard and throw it far, but his accuracy was was a little off. But uh, he's definitely uh, picked that up a little bit and just doing some some good things. And we got the Rams over the Cowboys, uh, 35-30. Cowboys not looking like they did last year, uh, looking like they can't run the ball. Their uh, their front unit there with their offensive line just isn't uh, as dominant as they were last year. There's no doubt about it. They are not the uh, the offensive line they were last year. 
there's still talk this year that the best line in football, them in Oakland, but neither one of them has had very good line play uh, to start off the year here. And uh, Zeke Elliott's just not running the ball like he would, like he was last year too. So I think part of that is that offensive line not gelling quite yet. Uh, I think I was reading something the other day where uh, four out of the five uh, offensive linemen for the Cowboys are number one picks. And the fifth guy should have been a number one overall pick, but had some issues uh, before he came out into the NFL, but was you know, had a first round grade basically on the big board. So <clears throat> when you look at something like that, I mean, they've got essentially five first round picks on their on their line. This line should be doing a lot better. They should be, you know, there should be holes to drive a Mack truck through for Ezekiel Elliott to run. So, um, you know, Cowboys just kind of, you know, spinning their wheels there a little bit. Uh, Texans lighting it up, man. Uh, Deshaun Watson, we knew this kid was special from when he played at Clemson, but to see him um, playing in the NFL at the level that he's playing at is really good to see. This kid is is good. He's got that it factor too that really just it, you can't quantify it. It's hard, you know. You can say, all right, he throws the ball good. He uh, he runs the ball well. Those sorts of things. But he's got a lot of those intangibles. Those things you can't teach. Those things you can't quantify. So uh, love to see this kid doing well. Uh, and the Panthers, they hand the Pats their second home loss of the year, 33 to 30. The Pats have the worst defense in the NFL this year. Uh, I believe last year I was looking at the stats. They had one of the best defenses last year, and have one of the worst this year. Uh, and in retrospect, the Rams, they had one of the worst offenses of last year and have the one of the best this year. So um, a lot of uh, parity there in the in the NFL. And the Giants lose again. Uh, they are now 0-4. If, if you'd asked me at the beginning of the year, uh, or if you'd have told me at the beginning of the year, there was going to be only two wins in the first four weeks for the New York, you know, uh, either one of those New York teams, the Jets or the Giants, and you'd have told me it had been the Jets that were uh, two and two and the Giants 0 and four. I'd, I'd asked you what you were smoking. There's just no way I thought that that would happen. Uh, the Jets are clearly the worst team uh, out of those two, at least. Uh, well, then you got Buffalo, who's who's killing it. So, um, I mean, just the Giants, just looking poor. Uh, they just they can't get anything done. And when they finally do get something done on offense, then their defense uh, struggles. So, um, definitely not uh, not doing real well there. All right, so um, we're gonna get into a little hockey now. Excuse me. Talk a little preseason hockey. See uh, what went on. We're coming up to the start of the season. I believe the, one of the first games is today, or at least tomorrow. I know the Caps' uh, season opener is not until Thursday, so we're going to talk some preseason hockey. Uh, talk about how some teams did and and, and all of that. Uh, but let's get right into it. So for the Eastern Conference, um, we had uh, Toronto uh, finishing out the uh, uh, the preseason at five two and one. Uh, Florida. Uh, the Panthers at four one and one, Boston at four and three, Detroit at three and four, Ottawa at three and three, Tampa Bay three and four, Montreal two and six, and Buffalo one and four. Um, so some some notable things there. Montreal, uh, I know everybody, uh, not everybody, but a lot of people had them uh, touted as fairly high this year, uh, but struggling there in the uh, in the preseason at least. Uh, with their record of two and six. Um, now, as we talked about in, in previous podcasts, you can't look at the preseason as an end-all, be-all of what your season's going to look like. Uh, I want to say it was Colorado uh, Avalanche last year had a great preseason, and they were the, the worst team in the league all year. So we can't read a whole lot into it, but there, there can be some, some things you take out of, uh, of the preseason. Uh, so on to the Metro, you have the Islanders at 6-0, 6-0-2, New Jersey at 5-1-1, 
Carolina at five and two, Columbus four and three and one, uh, Philadelphia three two and three, uh, New York three two and one, Pittsburgh three three and one, and then Washington at two and five. Yes, two and five Washington. That is not good. Um, but I will say, watching watching a lot of the games, uh, I watched all the games except for the last one that the Caps had. Um, it's not that they look bad. They put in a lot of young people, a lot of young uh, young kids to see what they could do, at least in the first few games. I don't believe we, I don't think we played with a full lineup any of the games, um, with all of our stars on the ice. So, um, not reading a whole lot into that, but still good to to see you know to see what they did during the preseason. So, <clears throat> is what it is. All right, on to the Western Conference: Minnesota five and two, Colorado four and two, Chicago four and two, Dallas three and three. Nashville two two and two, Winnipeg two three and two, St. Louis three and five. Uh, on to the Pacific Division: Edmonton six and two, Los Angeles five and one, Vancouver four and three, San Jose four and two, Vegas three three and one, Anaheim three three and one, Arizona two three and one, and Calgary two and five. Um, so one of the things that stood out to me was uh, was the Vegas one at three three and one. Uh, I actually watched a few of their games. I guess they're probably televising them to try and get them going a little bit, uh, which is definitely understandable. So I was able to catch a few of their games, and they actually looked really good. Uh, you know, they've got great goaltending. They've got Marc Andre Fleury as their as their number one goaltender. Um, they've got some good solid uh, you know uh, solid defensemen, and their forwards aren't anything to shake a stick at either. So. Um, I don't think that they're going to make it into the playoffs this year, but I think they could make it interesting um, towards the end of the year and see how close they can get to the playoffs. All right, let's get into some power rankings to start the season here. Um, these are ones that I, I've been looking around for, and this is the most consistent uh, power rankings that I could come up with. Um, out of, I think it was four different websites I looked at, um, this is what I came up with for the most consistent. Um, starting the season out, so for number one, Pittsburgh Penguins, uh, number two, Tampa Bay Lightning, number three, Edmonton Oilers, number four, Chicago Blackhawks, number five, Washington Capitals, number six, Columbus Blue Jackets, and number seven, Nashville Predators. Now you look at it, we've got the Pittsburgh Penguins, of course, number one, uh, being the prohibitive favorite, winning the cup last year. Uh, I was surprised to see uh, Nashville so far down uh, the list this year. I thought that they would be a little bit higher, at least to start the season out. Uh, but they're traditionally, in, in all the lists I looked, they were in that uh, that five to seven range and all of the different ones that I, that I looked at. Um, so let's go down to the, the bottom of the league and see what we've got. Uh, 31, the Vegas Golden Knights. I think they put them there because they don't really have anything to base it off of, so they're going to put them last. Uh, that was everybody had them last as well. Uh, 30th, the Colorado Avalanche. Again, they were horrible last year. Looked to be bad again this year. Uh, the Vancouver Canucks at 29, and the Detroit Red Wings at 28. That one was kind of surprising to me. I know that you know they missed the playoffs for the first time in I think it was 25, 26 years last year. They've had a lot of things you know moving around, a lot of different things going on. Uh, but I really thought that they would uh, they would be at least back up in the middle of the pack. I don't know that they're going to be down that far. But there again, these are power rankings to start out the season. They're not really meant to uh, to see what's going to happen at the uh, the end of the day. Um, and as we talked about before, I you know I gave you my my picks for each division. 
uh, and for the Stanley Cup winners and stuff like that earlier in the year. And I'll change that as it goes. And uh, like I said, um, I think it was two weeks ago when I did the, the last podcast. Every week I'm going to do a power ranking. I'm going to do the, the top five, bottom three. Uh, an idea I stole from a, a radio station, I will admit it. <laughs> but basically it's just a, and it's going to be based off of my opinion from what I see. Um, so, and you know, I, I do a lot of research. I do a lot of looking at games. I watch as many games as I can. And so all of that's going to be based off of what I see and what I hear. These are not. These are not based off of anything that I've seen or you know or heard. These are based strictly off of what other people have seen and what other people have said. And I just took kind of all four of them and said, okay, what's the closest I can come? And that's what I came up with for uh, for these power rankings. So that's kind of where we are uh, with them. All right. So before I move out of the uh, the power rankings here. Uh, I, I watched quite a few preseason games this year, and the last one I caught, I think it was two days ago, I caught the game between Columbus and Pittsburgh. And these two teams were skating as hard as I've seen any team skate in playoffs, preseason, regular season. They looked like they were in another gear. And I like I said before, I watched all of the Caps preseason games. It looked like we were in slow motion and they were in fast forward comparing the the two watching the capitals play and for that matter any other team play and then watching the the penguins and, and the blue jackets play the other night these teams are fast so if anybody is going to compete with those teams in the eastern conference uh, or at all they are going to need to be quick they are going to need to be fast they're going to need to have some young talent that are fast that can get off the puck that can uh, shoot it around the boards, that can get in and forecheck, because these teams are no joke. I watched them for, for a good 10 minutes, and I was amazed, just amazed at the speed I saw. Uh, it was really, really riveting. Like, I I thought that we were, you know, we were looking pretty good at the beginning of, you know, the preseason. You know, it's preseason is what it is, but I thought, you know, our passes look crisp. Uh, we were hitting pretty well in, in some cases. I saw some good things. I definitely saw some bad things as well. But I saw some good positive things. It made me think, okay, you know, I think we're going to have a good year. But when I saw these two teams playing each other, I thought there's nobody who's going to be as good as either one of these if they can't get their speed going, if they can't get some solid uh, board play. Uh, they are just they are just fast. <laughs> so anyways, just uh, if you have a chance to see either one of those teams play, especially if they're playing each other, make sure you tune in because, like I said, it was it was definitely uh, a good showing uh, and they made made everybody else in the league look slow. All right. So going on to our D.C. sports segment, as I touched on a little while ago, uh, Virginia Tech lost to uh, to Clemson over the weekend. Um, and as I said, I'm a Virginia Tech fan. Now, one thing that I took away from the game is, you know, Virginia Tech has a great team. There's no doubt about it. They have a really, really good, solid team this year. But it made me say, wow, this Clemson team is really, really good. And it also made me think, you know, that Virginia Tech's got a little ways to go before they can be uh, be up there in that top echelon team. And what uh, Dabo Sweeney has done there at Clemson is incredible. He's He's been able to build uh, this team. They are so deep. And so good. Their defense is incredible. Their front seven is—I'd put them up against any um, any front seven in the uh, in all of college football. Uh, they are that good. And their offense, which really doesn't have to be great, is pretty good too. Um, so uh, it made me made me made me see a lot of things. To be quite honest with you, um, I do think Virginia Tech's got a really good team, and and they can do some good things this year. 
in their conference, but uh, they're not going to beat a, a Clemson, Alabama. And so it's, it's good to be able to know that sort of thing. You don't play one of those teams all year. You just don't know. But when you see um, Virginia Tech versus Clemson, you, you kind of figure it out. You see, well, you know, that, that team is really, really good. So um, just one of those things there. Um, talk a little bit about the Redskins. They have looked phenomenal this year. I was talking to uh, to Amy the other night when they were playing. I said, man, what is this? Who is this team that's playing? Like, I cannot believe it was the same team that I saw in the preseason and that I saw last year. Now, I know it's not the same team from last year. We've got a lot of new faces. Uh, we got a lot of uh, a lot of new coaches as well. But, uh, you know, the core of the, of the teams are the same. But our defense, they look solid. And this, uh, this guy, DJ Swearinger, has brought an attitude and a swagger to this defense that they didn't have before. We've got some new guys up front, you know, Jonathan Allen. I can't remember the other kid from, uh, uh, from Alabama as well. But uh, we've got some new people in there, and they are just doing a really, really phenomenal job on defense. Uh, I kind of thought, you know, Kirk Cousins and the offense was going to have to step it up and, and outplay every opponent by a lot to make up for, you know, for the defense. Because in years past, that's kind of how it's been is, you know, okay, Cousins has to get going. We've got to have, you know, a couple thousand yard pass catchers uh, to make sure that we can win some games. But, you know, we were in that game all up until the, you know, the last, uh, what was it, the last uh, 30 seconds or whatever when they kicked that field goal and then that crazy play at the end. But, um, you know, the Redskins were in that, that entire game and looked really, really good. And it also shows you how much we value uh, Josh Norman as well. I think uh, they only scored seven points on us while Norman was on the field. And then he was gone, I believe. Uh, he left right at the, uh, the end of the second half. Actually, I'm not sure if he was on the field for that score or not. I can't remember. Either way, um, they scored most of their points with Josh Norman off the field. So um, when you can have that, uh, that defensive back um, put them out on the island with their number one receiver, it really frees everybody else up to, to do better and to, you know, to be able to, to concentrate on their job uh, instead of having to have you know, two guys on their best person. We have one guy on him. He can take care of him. Then everybody else can match up a little bit better. Um, so it definitely showed us a little bit there. Uh, that was one of the things that I, that I took away from uh, from the game the other night. Uh, but all in all, you know, Redskins looking up. I definitely think they're going to have a, a decent year this year uh, with the Giants. 0-4. What is going on with New York Giants? They just they can't do anything right. You know, they when they start running the ball and start moving their offense and start scoring points, then their defense starts letting them score points and letting the other team score points. It's it's craziness. So, anyways, let's uh, let's move on to um, some capital information, line predictions, things like that. So, basically, um, I've always kind of done this, and I think a lot of people probably do it. Is try and come up with what uh, what you think the the lines should be or, or could be for uh, for your team. Um, and as you know, as I look at it, I, there's a lot of different ways you can go with it. And, and in years past, it's been really, really easy because there hasn't been a whole lot of change in the team. It's been pretty much the same you know, all the way around. And so we have just kind of had to plug and play here and there. Um, but these are my line predictions slash suggestions uh, for the start of the season. So on my top line, I've got Ovechkin, Kuznetsov, and I'm putting Vrana on that line. And, and I know some people will come back and say that, you know, he's not proven enough and, and things like that. My problem with Brana is, is if you don't have him in the top six, you put him on a third or fourth line, he doesn't play as well. We really see his best play when he's on one of those top lines. Uh, and I think we could really get some, some good performance out of him, putting him on the top line 
with Kuzi and Ovi. I think we're going to see the best version of him that we can. Now, the only problem with that that I see is I'd like to see, you know, Tom Wilson or even Brett Conley up there as well. So that kind of puts us in a little bit of a box, to, so to speak, if you have Verano on that top line, because then you can't have Wilson or Conley up there. Um, some things I saw at a Conley last year and in the preseason this year, I think he's a really, really good player. Um, and I think he's, he's really kind of turned a corner, I think, with us. And I think that he's really going to excel this year. We're going to see some things from him. And you're going to say, who is this kid? Where did he come from? Uh, I really think that uh, that we've got a kind of a diamond in the rough. He's one of those that that kind of other teams have discarded. Uh, nobody wanted. We signed him on, you know, one of those, uh, you know, what is it, one year, one million dollar prove it contracts last year, and then re-signed him. I think for uh, two or three years um, after that. But I tell you, I really see some good things out of this guy. Uh, and and again, Tom Wilson. I think he's going to step his game up again. But again, if he's not on that top line with a um, Ovechkin and Kuznetsov, we relegate him to that third line. So for for line two, my second line, uh, Burakovsky, Backstrom, and Oshie, I think that's a, a definitely that's probably going to be the um, the most constant line throughout the year. I think we'll see that uh, for most of the year. You might see Oshie move up to that uh, Ovi Kuzi line uh, here and there just to spark some offense, things like that. Um, but I do think you sacrifice a little more when you put kind of all your eggs in one basket. I think you need Oshie on that on that line with Backstrom. And again, we'll probably move it around several times throughout the year, but uh, that's kind of how I've got it set now. Uh, for that third line, I've got Wilson, Eller, and Conley. So, of course, we got Eller. Uh, and then, like I said before, Wilson and Conley. And, uh, you know, you could take Verona in, in place of either one of those and move them up. But, again, I don't think Verona's going to do as well on that uh, that third line. And for the for the fourth line, I've got uh, Smith Pelly with Beagle and Walker. Um, Smith Pelly, I think, did really well in the uh, in the in the preseason. I think he's proved himself enough to to get a spot here. And then Walker, I think, I thought he should be on the team last year uh, at the end of training camp, but definitely should be this year. Uh, he's got the speed. He's got the uh, the aggressiveness. I really love this kid's um, his his all around game. He just is a he's a good player. He knows what he's doing, and he takes care of business. And um, I think having somebody like that who's a little bit scrappy will probably take some of that off of Wilson so he can uh, he can do what he's supposed to do and start scoring some goals. And for defense, I've got Niskin and Orloff, and that should, shouldn't change very much. I've got Carlson and Aaron Ness, and I've got Orpik and uh, Madison Bowie. Now, I know that uh, the last I saw, they had Carlson and Orpik together which makes sense having a left and right shot together. But I don't see Orpik playing top four minutes. I just don't see it. Uh, I believe he's 36, 37 years old right now. I just don't see him producing at a high level uh, playing top four minutes. I just I don't see it happening. He's lost a step. We've seen that. We saw it in the preseason. We saw it last year. I just don't see him as that, uh, that fit. Now, we do have Taylor Chorney who uh, – has had a lot of NHL experience. He's been with us the last couple of seasons. Uh, you can fit him in anywhere in there uh, and, and move one of these uh, guys to the bench. But uh, I think this was probably, from what I saw through the preseason, I think this is probably the, the best lineup um, for, for our defense anyways. Looking at the, uh, the lineup, when I was putting this all together, one of the things that, that really stood out to me was, um, was our centers. 
Now, if you've been a Washington Cats fan for any amount of time, you know we've had an issue in past years trying to find a second-line center. We went through so many people in a short amount of time to try and find somebody who could center a second line and do it well. We had Backstrom as our first-line center with Ovechkin on his, on his line. We could not find that second-line center. So to be able to have Backstrom and Kuznetsov as our top two, and then when we brought in Eller, and having Beagle as well, we have got one of the best center cores in all of the NHL. There's no doubt about it. Uh, with guys like Beagle who can take a face-off anywhere and win it, who's always in the top um, as far as uh, face-off wins in the NHL every single year. Uh, he's going to be out there on the penalty kill. Lars Eller as well. Uh, he's he's done a lot better with his penalty, um, not with his with his uh, his face-off percentage and things like that. Um, we've got just a, a heck of a center. Uh, going on here in Washington now, which is which is great. I love to see that. That's definitely where we want to be. So uh, definitely, uh, if you like what I you know what I've got for line predictions, hit me up on Twitter. It's uh, at the Hockey Fix, and let me know what you think. Who you think we uh, we need to have in there, and uh, you know who you think the line should be, because uh, there's you know there's definitely some some room for uh, for guessing this year as in years past there hasn't been. So let me know what you think. Um, and, uh, and we'll see what we could do. Um, in the coming weeks, now that the, the season is starting, I'm going to start sending out questions and things like that. So I'm hoping to get some feedback from you guys so I can share it with you on the, on the podcast and share it with everybody on the podcast. So uh, be listening for that and, and looking out for, uh, for the tweets and on the Facebook page as well, and we'll make sure we keep that up, up to date and running. All right, so uh, I'm going to close out today. I, I usually try and do the, uh, the feel-good story of the week but with everything that happened in Las Vegas, I really couldn't shy away from uh, from from talking a little bit more about that. It is in these these times of of lots of different things, but in the time of of stress, in the times of of horror, in the times of terror, um, it can be from a a natural disaster. It can be from uh, something as as crazy and as uh, as inhuman as this mass shooting, uh, we see the best in people. Um, I read several stories this week about um, people who were driving into um, what was a uh, essentially a war zone to help save people's lives. Um, I, I read the story about uh, the people who drove their truck in and loaded people into the back of their truck to to ferry them to the hospital so that they could, you know, get treatment. And, you know, there was one about, you know, they picked up this guy who didn't have a pulse and, and they, they took him anyways. And, and it's just, it's stuff like this where we see the best in humanity during the worst of our times. Um, and it's one of those things that, that really uh, makes you feel good to be alive and makes you feel good to be human. And so just, you know, if you haven't seen those stories, look them up because there's some really, really stories. And these are our true heroes. These are people you know, that, that run the wrong way. I, I keep hearing that they run the wrong way. Um, when every instinct in your body is, is to run away, they run to it. And so, um, you know, let's, uh, let's keep them in mind. Uh, and we'll keep them in our thoughts and prayers as well. As we go into this, uh, this, this week, um, just like I said, take a look at, take a look at some of that. There's some, there's some really good stuff in there. All right. So, uh, that's all I've got for today. Again, I thank you for uh, for tuning in. I'm Connor David, the Hockey Fix Podcast, and look for us next week as the start of hockey. Thank goodness it's here.